This is episode number 137 with Chicago Cubs mental strength coach Joshua Lifrack. New concepts and ideas to help you reach your full potential. Success 101 Podcast. Welcome to the Success 101 Podcast. This is your host, Jared Warren. At each episode, my goal is to bring you a new concept or idea to help you maximize your full potential. Thanks for joining me here today. Now let's kick things off. Hey guys, welcome back to the Success 101 podcast. I am so excited to have my guest here with you today, mental strength trainer for the Chicago Cubs, Joshua Lifrak. Josh and I had a great conversation and I'm so excited to bring that to you guys today. But I want you to pause for just a moment here. Whether you're a Cubs fan or not, it doesn't matter. Do you really understand what these guys just did? Do you really understand what this baseball program just did. This was a club that was started in 1876. 1876. Okay, grasp that for just one second, okay? Then you move into what they call their dynasty history, and that was all the way back from 1902 to 1920. In fact, in 1906, the Cubs won a record 116 of 154 games. And then they won back-to-back World Series titles in 1907 and 1908. And we all know the story of what's happened since then. They have been on a drought of winning a championship since 1908. This has been a beloved organization by many out there, whether they are tried and true Cub fans or not. Everyone loves to see a program come back from a drought of even just a few years and put together an incredible team that can win it all, which that in and of itself is incredibly hard. But to have a 108-year drought and then this year, 2016, be the team that goes all the way and not buy into the negativity of the curse, and not buy into the negativity of falling back into being those Cubs, as you'll hear Josh mention in the podcast here in just a moment, but to put a team together that went all the way. And I knew I had to get Josh Lifrak on the podcast here simply because Josh is a mental strength coach, mental strength development coordinator for the Chicago Cubs. So he's one of the guys behind the scenes, keeping these guys' minds right through a lot of different avenues. You'll hear him mention a few here in our podcast today of getting the guys re-centered, getting their mind right back on where it needs to be, and just cutting out all of the noise that comes along with everyday life, much less being in the playoffs. And then one of my favorite parts of our podcast is Josh describes them not even realizing what they had just done or the weight of it until they pulled back into Chicago for the parade. Over 5 million people gathered. It was one of the largest gatherings of human beings in the world's history. I mean, just let that sink in for a moment and the emotions that came with that of tears and joy and just really understanding for the first time what they had just done by uniting a city, by changing the world, as you'll hear Josh mention, and learning a lot of lessons in the process. I was so thankful to have Josh here on the podcast today and look forward to you having a little more insight into the Cubs organization as we dive into our conversation today. So without any further delay, let's cut right to my conversation with Joshua Lifrak of the Chicago Cubs.
Hey, Josh, welcome to the Success 101 podcast. I normally would ask how things are going, but after 108 years of not having a championship in your city, I kind of know how things are going for you today. Yeah, um, we're pretty good. We're pretty good. I'm finally getting my feet back on the ground, as it were, finally getting centered <laughs> and refocused and just uh, being able to breathe again. It was, uh, without a doubt, a, a crazy, amazing, fun, wonderful ride for the last 10 days, 12 days, you know, I, I kind of had, I had mentioned this to you earlier, but I kind of forgot what it was to sleep. I forgot what it was to not have uh, champagne in my hand. I forgot what it was not to have 5 million people <laughs> screaming at you. So it's uh, yeah, a little different, man, a little different. Man, that's awesome. And congratulations to you guys. I mean, I think anybody, you know, especially with, uh, you know, America's game, baseball and the, the old time history of that, you know, you go back to 108 years. I mean, how can you not love that? Even if you're not a Cubs fan, right? I mean, that's that's just incredible. And I was so excited to get you on. I know whenever I first contacted you back in October, you know, you were pretty upfront with me and you said, hey, man, I'm, you know, I'm, playoffs are going to end in November. Why don't you, you know, why don't you contact me then? And uh, I was like, oh, man, you know, good for him. Optimistic thinking, right? I mean, that's part of your job, right? But I was like, man, the curse is there and everything's there. So hopefully it pans out for those guys. But, you know, with the our Rangers were still in the playoffs at that time. Of course, I'm rooting for them. And, uh, you know, who knew that you guys would carry it on on further? And then it reminded me also that you were on a, a couple of other podcasts that I heard where you were talking about, you know, your main goal, even back at the beginning of October, last part of September, y'all's main goal was to win the World Series, you know, just very adamant about that, but then also change the world, which I hope we get into a little bit today. But I've just got several questions that I know my listeners are going to love to hear about. But why don't you start off first and just let everybody know who you are for the Cubs organization, what you do in, in that role of the, the mental skills pro, director of the mental skills program and how that really uh, has an impact on the players as you're working with them. My job is to run um, a five-man team of mental skills trainers that impact the players, the front office, the staffs, the medical people, everybody in our organization really, and really trains them to be present and, and be where their feet are. I mean, that's our goal. Uh, that's a lot of times, you know, the outcome goal of our practices to have you be present. You know, our manager says it all the time, be present, not perfect. And so that's what we really, we shoot for is to have people just be in the moment. And that's what our training is all about. And I'm lucky enough to be joined by some incredible people. Um, Ken Revisa, who's a Hall of Fame mental skills coach. He works with our major league team. Uh, Darnell McDonald, who really does our mindfulness and meditation training. Uh, John Baker, who is a former catcher and really helps with relationships and, and helps people um, just be curious and, and pushes the boundaries of, of, of what's possible for a human being. And then Ray Fuentes, who really helps all of our Latin players. He speaks Spanish, and his main role is to help the the Latin players who have trouble with English, but really pushes them and, and challenges them to be better than they think they can be. There's a unique challenges on the Latin side. So, you know, I'm just really, really lucky to be surrounded by a great team. And, and, and those guys are, they make the program. They, they absolutely make the program. So, but our main goal, like I said, we have outcome, we have process. Our outcome is to get people to have their feet on the ground and to be present in the moment. And there's a lot of processes that what we do to, to get there, but that's pretty much my job. Man, it's so interesting that you mentioned that about some of the players from different backgrounds and, and countries. I'm going to get into that a little bit with you later. That was one of my bullet points here that I was dying to ask you about because I know there's, uh, well, we won't get into it just yet. I'm, I'm too eager to ask you some other things, but we'll dive into that as well. So it's interesting that you mentioned that. Tell me how you got into that role. I mean, you don't just wake up one day and the Cubs call you and go, hey, you're, you're going to come have this pivotal you know role for us here. How did you get into that? Uh, Actually, funnily enough, wanted? that's kind of how it happened. I... Uh, <laughs> I was uh, I was working for uh, a company called uh, IMG, uh, 
and, and they have an academy in Bradenton, Florida. I'd been there for about 10 years. It's an elite training program for youth and high school athletes. Um, it's basically a prep school, but then we end, end up having a lot of pro athletes come through because the facilities are so fantastic. And then the training is fantastic there as well. Um, it's not cheap, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I think it costs like $70,000 a year, which I don't know where people get that money to send their kids to school, but they do. And so I was working there and I had interviewed with a couple other major league baseball teams at that point. Um, none of which were the right fit for me. Luckily, one of those teams called the Cubs and the Cubs had been searching for a mental skills director for about 10 months. And literally I walked into my office one day and my landline, which never get any calls anymore. You know, five years ago, it got calls, but now, you know, with cell phones, landlines never get calls. And my little red light sure. blinking that I have a message. And I had just heard from a, it's funny because I had just heard from one of the teams that I had interviewed with that decided to go a different direction. Again, it just wasn't the right fit. It wasn't, there wasn't anything like wrong with them or wrong with me. It just wasn't the right fit. And they had called like two or three days earlier. Today, we're going to go in a different direction. Thank you anyways for for applying. And I was I was pretty bummed out. I was pretty down, as you can imagine. And all of a sudden, this the light's flashing. And it's uh it's it's Scott Harris, who's our director of baseball ops. And hey, Scott, this is Scott Harris from the Chicago Cubs. Um, we have a position open. We'd love to chat with you about it and see if you'd be interested. And and it went from there. Wow. So it was uh it was a little bit of kismet. Um, you know, I had hustled, I had talked to a bunch of people in baseball that I know about moving on from IMG. And they were open to, you know, the, apparently my name got around and, and then the Cubs called me. They flew me up for a, uh, a really intense day of interviews um, where I met with everybody, um, the entire front office staff. They had me role play. They had me present on what my, my program structure would look like. They had me uh, connect with each one of them individually, answer a bunch of questions, get peppered. And, you know, I like I left my house at 4 a.m. that morning. I got back at midnight that night. I live in Sarasota, Florida. So you know, I I commuted to Chicago that day. Um, (laughs) and it was, uh, just a mind blowing experience. And, and apparently, um, you know, we fit and, and that's the best thing is that, is that I fit with these guys and I fit with the Cubs and, and my philosophies are in line with the leadership's philosophies and it works. Um, and so that's, I think you see the benefits of that. And that's so cool. What a story. And for those listening out there who might say, you know, I didn't know what a director of mental skills program was or, or a mental strength coach, you know, whatever words you want to put there, it's descriptors until just a few handful of years ago, maybe. And I know if you go way back, just, you know, several years ago, even there, there, those words, maybe in, in your world, you know about them, but they weren't really being thrown around a lot. So there's probably a lot of people out there who are like, what? Like director of mental skills. I know you can go a lot of different avenues with what you actually do for the team and the teams that you, you know, coach and people you work with. Uh, but what would you say just to sum it up in a couple of sentences that the director of mental skills program specifically, you know, we'll use you since we're talking to you here, but specifically for the Cubs, what would you say your main objective is for them? Uh, my main objective is to educate, uh, help apply and help support the athletes, the coaches in the front office on the mental tools that you can use to, to create a higher performance. I mean, it's just that simple, right? That's all we're talking about is high performance and really ultimately winning performance. So there's a difference between performing at a high level and winning. And so for us, it's really all about that. How, how, what do we got to do in order, you know, the question that we ask internally a lot is after every Cubs win, we raise the W, right? I think you guys kind of know that. Right. And so the W flag right. is now flying over Wrigley Field until, you know, April, which is, it hasn't been done since 108 years. But we really ask ourselves <laughs> that question. Hey, is what are we, what are we doing right now to help run that W flag up the pole? You know, what are we doing? It, so when we talk about the mental skills, that's really how are we thinking? How are we being? 
What are we focusing on? What are we doing to get ourselves ready? What are we doing to be present? How are we being present? How are we focusing? Those are the major issues that we're locked into and, and that we're pushing. And ultimately, it's how is this helping push that W up the flagpole? Man, that's a great description. I didn't know where you would go with that since I've kind of put you in a box and said do it in a couple of sentences, but that's such a good, uh, <laughs> a good description there. So, so like you said, the W's flying. I mean, it's flying everywhere. I, you know, we're, I'm down here in Dallas and I, you know, rolled out of my neighborhood right after you guys won. And I told my wife, I was like, look at there, there's a, there's a white, you know, W flag. They're flying. You don't see that, you know, very often, but there's yeah. one in my neighborhood still, still and they still got it out and probably will for a while. Mine's in my front yard. I'm not taking it down until April, man. That thing's flying. <laughs> Won the world that's awesome. Well, it, yeah, no, that's cool. Well, man, let's dive in here. I, I definitely want to be a little bit uh, selfish since I've got you on the podcast and I've got you as a captive audience here that I can just pick your brain a little bit. But man, 108 years, I, I want to know just as much as you can describe it here, which I know is probably hard to do, but I'd love to know just about the entire World Series run and what it meant for the city and the fans and really how you guys dealt with being on the ropes and down, you know, three to one in, in the World Series. You know, it, it's funny. First of all, I'll just I'll, I'll put some disclaimers on this. You know, again, like like I mentioned earlier, Ken Revisa is our our mental skills coach for the major league team, and so he was embedded with the team and working with them on a daily basis. And our whole philosophy there was just win this pitch, win this pitch. So when you're down three one, you're not thinking about you know when you're focused on the process, you're not thinking about the outcome, and the process is to win this pitch. So when you're down 3-1 and you're just trying to win pitches and you're working to win pitches and you're focused on winning pitches, you're not thinking about the mountain that's in front of you. All you're thinking about is right here, right now. Right. And so that was a lot of our thought process. I think, you know, I talked about this earlier with a, with a good friend of mine, Trevor Moad, who is Moad Consulting Group. He's done a lot of work with Florida State and Alabama. He's a phenomenal guy. You should, you should have him on the podcast. He's great. But he and I were talking about how when we were, we were so locked in to the task at hand. We were so locked into just playing this game of baseball one pitch at a time that we didn't have time to think about the consequences of our actions. And it wasn't until we were, you know, riding down Michigan Avenue in, in our buses and our trolleys that in looking out at, at 5 million people it was the seventh largest gathering in human history. Right. Seventh largest. Yeah, gathering. I saw that. I saw that on Facebook. I was like, man, is that like, a real stat? I mean, that's just incredible. The People enormity everywhere. of it, you know, finally started to hit us. And, and I don't think it hit us until then. And, you know, guys were crying. Guys were hugging guys. You know, it just it just started to be like, whoa, what did we do um, in a really positive <laughs> way? You know, because we weren't you know, right. we knew we were going to change the world. But I think until you change the world and see it changing in front of your eyes, it doesn't hit you. And then it hit us. It, right. it hit us. It hit us square in the jaw, and it was it was awesome. So again, you know, during during the World Series, you weren't thinking about that. All they were thinking about is really two things: win this pitch and how do we respond? Because we always talk about that. We talk about that a lot internally. We don't react; we respond. We don't react; we respond. And you saw that happen. You know, you saw that happen in Game Seven, where here you are, and you're in the ninth inning, and you had a five-one lead, and then you had a six-three lead, and and all of a sudden it's tied, and you know, a lot of people, a lot of teams, a lot of guys would have started thinking about the past. They would have started thinking about, oh, man, we dropped the ball, all oh, this and that, all that, you know, start maybe starting to feel like a victim rather than a creator. And our guys created and they started to respond and they responded in a way that showed the world what's possible when you believe in yourself and you believe in your teammates and you believe in everybody around you and in an entire organization. And, you know, that's what was so satisfying is that the guys did it on their own. They got together. They they talked about it. They they got themselves right mentally and, and they responded instead of reacted. 
Man, that's so awesome. And we only get the, uh, you know, the television view, right? You're right there with them. You're in the trenches with them, so to speak. I mean, literally, and, and hearing all that. Well, I was up in section 511 for that game, but that's, that's, that was just superstition. <laughs> right, right. So uh, you got, you know, such a long drought, you know, of not winning the championship. You're down, you know, you've got to work through that. And I want to ask specifically about uh, Anthony Rizzo, long, longest sure. tenured Cub, first baseman, arguably, if you ask any of my Cubs friends, the, the most beloved player on the team. And I know he's got a great relationship with uh, with veteran catcher David Ross. And I know there's a famous scene. You'll know what I'm talking about whenever I start saying it here during game seven, which uh, Rizzo leans in on Ross and he's asking for advice because he just couldn't, you know, I think he said, I guess you can't control my emotions. I'm a glass case of emotions. And Ross was just such an incredible veteran leader on what I would consider a very young team. You can speak more to that. But, you know, at the at the beginning, I know he'd, he said he'd be retiring after it and they threw him like a year-long retirement party uh, on that. But just kind of speak to their relationship and how that bleeds over that dynamic to the rest of the team uh, during just critical times like you guys went through. You know, what I do know is that our role, and you hear this a lot in, in teaching and in education and stuff like that, that the teacher knows they're doing a great job when the students take over the class in the sense of they take over the learning, they take over their initiative, they take over, you know, how they go about their business. And I think, you know, from our perspective, the mental skills perspective, the, the coach's perspective, at the highest levels, when you're in the, in the heat of the moment, when you can step back and you can just let the guys work through it themselves, that's when you know that your program is being successful. And that's exactly what happened. You know, you saw that in that moment, he talked about breathing, right? And how often do we talk about breathing? Right. But, you know, that's, they took it. They took it on their own. It's all the players. Listen, the players won this, right? I didn't swing a bat. I didn't throw a pitch. I didn't, you know, make a switch. The managers, the coaches, the players, they're, they're the ones that won this. Yes, we had a part in it. But they had to go out and execute it. So, you know, their relationship is it, it, our whole team has a pretty decent relationship. Our whole organization has a very open and honest relationship with each other. Um, and I think that's what really helps us be successful is that people know that our interests are aligned in terms of, hey, our goal is to win the World Series. And so when everybody's rowing the boat in the same direction, when everybody's pulling on the pulling on the rope to raise that W in the same direction, it goes. Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, I know you're you're being pretty humble there. I'm sure you played a bigger part in it than than what you realize. You had mentioned the language barriers, the cultural barriers. Didn't know what that was like as far as getting around that. I know you guys are kind of a just as a lot of teams are out there, but you're a melting pot of players from different yeah. backgrounds and countries. How does somebody like you that's the, you know, mental skills coach, mental skills trainer, how do you get past some of the backgrounds and uh, cultural barriers that might be there even with the language or just, you know, tendencies and mindset and all that? Well, first and foremost, I think, you know, one of the biggest keys in terms of cultural stuff is to not make others wrong, right? So everybody's right. coming to a communal place and they bring their own way of doing things and they bring their own way of being and they bring their own way of, of seeing the world. And so if you're trying to change that or, or, or adjust who they are at their core level, you're, it's it's going to be an uphill battle and it's not going to work. So what you do is you look at, okay, well, what does this person want? How does this person, you know, what do they ultimately want? Do they want to win? Do they want to make the major leagues? Do they want to be an all-star in double A? Okay, what do they want? And how can we help them get there with who they are? So here, here's this person and this is who they are. Okay, well, let's figure out what the process is to help you achieve your goal. And so that's what we really do. And you know, in terms of the language barrier, there certainly are uh, language issues. We're lucky enough that we staff people that speak Spanish at every single level. Um, they'll speak English and Spanish. So 
we never really have a problem with language per se because we can you know bring a translator in if if, if need be and then on the other side of things we have a, a mental skills coach who speaks spanish you know so that person really helps out laying the groundwork at a young level he works with the guys in venezuela and the dr before they even come to america so they have and so what happens oftentimes is really interesting like eugene oregon is our our um our short season a ball team and those are right. kids that have just gotten drafted out of college or those are kids that are over from the Dominican for the first time. And what we often see is that the guys from the Dominican and Venezuela have a higher aptitude for mental skills and, and understanding of the game, playing of the game, because they've been in our system already for two to three years. Oh, wow. Had the training already. So while they might only have a fourth grade to a sixth grade education, they are more aware and more astute at understanding situations and what's going on in the game because they are more focused. So it's a really interesting kind of thing where you, where, you, where you can see the actual difference of guys that have been in our program versus guys that haven't. Luckily, in the college world, there is a lot of mental skills training going on and, and a lot of different universities and things of that nature. And so a lot of those guys, it doesn't take much to kind of tweak them and polish them and, and push them in the right direction. Um, but it really is. It's kind of interesting to see that, you know, with the DR guys. And, and we've been really lucky, too, that we really put a premium on character as a, a Right. So when you come into our organization, when you are drafted into our organization, your background has been vetted very thoroughly. And so if you're not a good person, right, because we value that first, we value human beings, we value people first, then right. player. And, and so you have to be a good person. And so what we often find is that when in a lot of programs, there's a division between, okay, here's the Latin guys, here's the English speaking guys, da, 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 da. But what we've found is that they really mix in well together and quickly because they're just good people. And they were just, they're curious right. about each other and they want to have fun and they like each other. And they like, wait, what's, what, what's it like in the DR? What's happening over there? Oh, cool. Hey, this is what it's like over here in Oregon. And, you know, it's like, it's really cool just to see them kind of blend and, you know, our managers and coaches really help, help that, that happen. But, Really, I think it goes to the to the players, too, because they're curious and they want to know as well. They want to be good teammates. So it's really been fun. And just like I said, just an absolute pleasure. And we feel super lucky to be in this organization. It really is a lot of fun. Man, that's so cool the way you guys gel and bond together even before they come into your organization. I was wondering, you know, I, I figured the language barrier may not be that big of a deal because obviously you can get people that speak different languages and that's that's yeah. not a tough thing. I was thinking it was probably more of a mindset issue because we kind of know, I know you said you're from New York, I'm from Texas, you know, very, very different. You know, those are like almost two different countries sometimes in and of themselves. Yes. but. Um, but when you get somebody that's international, <laughs> yeah, right. when, when you get somebody uh, that's international that comes in, maybe like you said, fourth grade, sixth grade education, they know the game or, or, you know, you can polish up some of the parts of the game that maybe they're not as familiar with, um, if, if that's ever an issue. But I think sometimes it's a mindset just culturally, there's just different, uh, you know, in the, in the Latin culture, they just think about things very similar to us, but also think about things very differently than, mm -hmm. than us as typical Americans sometimes as well. So I think that's just really interesting how you guys are making an effort, care about humans first, then care about baseball, you know, the baseball game. Yeah. And uh, obviously you've had success doing that. Um, Want to talk you, about you know, the, uh, thing, the thing that gets common is, is how they think is Cubs. Right. And so that's a big deal. Yeah. Right. How they think is Cubs. And, and that's what we really push. Man, that's so cool. That's so cool. I want to talk about Kyle Schwarber. I don't know if you have a great uh, close relationship with him or not, but I know he's one of the big stories of the World Series. Got hurt in, I think, like the second game of the season, blew out his knee, and then just miraculously came back for the World Series out of nowhere. I didn't expect him to be back in. I don't think anybody else did, and he swung the bat great in the series. 
Uh, how does a guy like that, which was, I think, supposed to be his first full ma- major league season, have such an injury? And what was that like to go through, maybe with him or other injuries you've seen out there? How do you mentally coach people back through that and then uh, ha- help them have a comeback like that and play so well? Uh, I will say this, that, that uh, Kyle is everything that we stand for as the Cubs. Okay, So he is just a uh, blue collar, find a way, true belief, just super positive, incredible teammate. Seems like an incredible leader, just, you know, lifts others up, right? That's what great leadership is about, is that you lift others up, you empower others. So that's Kyle to a T. But, um, you know, in terms of injury rehab and and going through injury, I think, you know, the biggest thing is really keeping your mind right. I remember seeing a, um, after um, Alonzo Mourning, I don't know if you remember Alonzo Mourning or not. Yeah. Yeah, man, I hadn't heard that name in a while. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. But do you remember like he, what he had to go through, he had to, he had like a liver transplant. And then yeah. he came back and ended up winning the NBA championship with Dwayne Wade. That was before uh, LeBron <laughs> yeah. got down there. And I remember hearing him, uh, his press conference after they had won the uh, NBA title. And he talked about making sure that you keep your mind positive and strong and that you keep your mind right. Because what's the easiest thing to do when you get injured, right? The easiest thing to do is to feel sorry for yourself. Of course. Right? Without a doubt, right? It, it's the easiest thing to feel. Is you feel sorry for yourself, and when you feel sorry for yourself, what do you do about baseball or the sport that you're in? You withdraw, and you just kind of go right. into like a little cocoon, and you just like, oh, what was me? And you go through your rehab, and that's it. Well, what we found is that the guys that get back quickest, or the guys that tend to have the most success in terms of rehab, they view rehab as their new sport, and they go, okay, my, I used to hit fastballs for a living, but now. I'm going to just absolutely crush this rehab program and I'm going to attack that. In addition, I'm not going to withdraw from the team. I'm not going to tag out. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to do anything I possibly can behind the scenes to learn about certain pitchers, to learn about different ways of of playing the game, about different situations. I'm going to continue to be a student. So if I can't physically be out there, I can mentally be out there. And when you do that, then you're engaged and you have purpose. And when you have engagement and you have purpose, you have everything. And I think that's really a lot of what happened with Kyle is that he had that throughout the season. And as a result, you know, to be honest with you, knowing Kyle, I was not surprised that he was back in the lineup. And it was just a joy for me to just see him out there and, and playing because it's one of my favorite things is to hear a ball get crushed off of his bat. It's phenomenal. Great sound. <laughs> yeah. No, the main reason I ask about him, not only his stories, he just seems like such a great guy. I've seen several interviews and talks with him. And it just, like you said, all the descriptors you gave on him. And I know you, that's, it just seems like everything you described is what I would have guessed uh, that he yeah. is. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm proud. Yeah. For him. yeah. I'm just proud for him to be able to come back and have such a, such an impact. And before we get into just really your specialties and and really a couple of questions I have just specifically around your role, do you ever spend or or have you spent much time with Theo Epstein at all? I know he, president of uh, baseball operations. I know yeah. He ended the Red Sox World Series drought, I think back in 2004, if I'm not mistaken. So this is kind of his, one of his second runs to go through this, but uh, he, he just seems like a great, uh, great individual as well. Yeah, driven. You know, it's funny. I was just reading an article about him, and my colleague Darnell talked about his drive, and he has a Michael Jordan drive to him, where anything that he's playing, whether it be soccer or you know pickup basketball or you know just golf or anything, it's it's he just wants to be the best. And so, you know, we always talk about the next ninety. I mean, respect ninety. That's the first. You know, that was the first thing, and now we're we're going on to that next ninety, and you know that's that's what we do. We put the hammer down and let's get going. So, yeah, yeah, 
So he's incredibly driven. That's that's the biggest compliment I can give Theo. He's just he gets after it. He's an incredible people person. He connects with others really easily and and authentically, and just a great leader. He's awesome to work for. Awesome, man. Well, let's peel back the layers, if it's okay, on you just a little bit here. I know that you had uh, mentioned in a couple of things that I saw on you that you, like I said, you wanted the the goal was to win the World Series, but also to change the world. And and that kind of translated into changing the city after 108 years. What did that really mean for you guys and and how that win really, you know, went on to accomplish that? Well, it's about belief systems, right? So if you've had this truth for your whole life, you know, this is, this is the, this is the truth that the Cubs can't win the world series that were cursed, that were the lovable losers. And that's been an identity that has been pervasive for you as a, as a fan or whatever. And then all of a sudden we just, we take that and we strap dynamite to it and we blow it out of the freaking water. Well, guess what? Now you have to really rethink about even how you look at the world because the world is a completely different place. And it, and it was awesome because it was so funny was the night we won game six against the Dodgers and we ended up going to the World Series. There was a headline in ESPN.com the next day and it was the Cubs changed the world. And I just started laughing because that was what we were all about. It was it wasn't <laughs> it, it's all about changing a collective mindset. Right. And so, you know, one of the other things that I, that I loved is after game five, I, I was walking around the, the um, Wrigley Field and and one of the things that the fans had done to celebrate was they took chalk and they just wrote all over the bricks of Wrigley field, really special, really sweet, really kind uh, gestures by the fans a lot towards their grandparents and things like that. that. And one little phrase just caught me and it said, we aren't those cubs. We're these cubs. And, and I was like, we're going to win this thing. And that was after game five, you know, as soon as I saw that, I just really believed that, that it was, we were going to, it was an eventuality rather than, um, rather than a worry. And so, you know, that's what we talk about, you know, that's what changing the world is. And then getting out the message of, of how to be great, right. It's not only one, it's one thing to be great, but it's another thing about learning about how and, and how you be great is number one, you be present, you be present to what's around you. And you can do that through a lot of ways. You can meditate, you can visualize, you can, you know, do yoga. <laughs> right. So, right. you know, we push the, those, those avenues a lot too. We, we are huge believers in meditation and a lot of our guys do it. Um, and it helps them stay present rather than perfect. Number two is, you know, believe in your brothers and believe in the people that are around you and believe in the collective good of the people that are around you, because, you know, that belief process that, that changes things, you know, we're going today's election day and it's been just an absolutely freaking grinder of an election. I mean, it's just, it's brought the collective positivity of this country down. Right. I mean, it really has. And so, you know, understanding that, that I thought it was great that we won, not only because of the fact that we won, but man, this country needs it right now. We need positivity in our life. We need to hug people without reason. We need to just high five. We need to just smile again. Um, because we've been through a meat grinder over the last, you know, year. So it's, you know, it kind of boils down to all that, but, but ultimately it really, you know, it's about love. And if you love what you do and you, and you love the people that are around you and, and you believe in yourself, it, really anything's possible. Man, that is so great. And just personally for you, you know, whenever I hear your title or anybody that's in the mental strength world or the mental training world, the first thing many times I think is, okay, they're still, they're still human, right? I mean, you know that better than anybody about yourself is that you're still human. You get burnt out, you get fatigued, you get down on yourself at times. I mean, I'm speaking for you. Maybe you're subhuman and you don't do that, but I'm guessing you do. <laughs> not a robot, you, not a robot. <laughs> right. 
Right. So how do you, um, you know, with that special role that you have with uh, the Cubs, and I know just from what I've heard about you, there's some other teams that you work with as well, or sports, I, I should say, that you work with as well. Yeah, in the how past, not anymore, just, just with the Cubs now. Yeah, 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 right. Good clarifier. Um, how do you keep yourself good? I know you mentioned, you just mentioned meditation and yoga for the players. I'm sure you're doing some of that if you're, if you're. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I meditated for a good hour and a half today. I mean, I did yoga for a good hour and a half today. It was great. Um I, we definitely do that. I, it was funny. I even tweeted it out before game seven that that's, I was so nervous that, you know, we just, me and a couple of the guys just went down and did like an hour long yoga session to just kind of clean our brain out a little bit. I, I run. No, it's amazing how that helps. Oh, it's incredible. It really is. It just gets you focused on you. Right. And so the, a lot of times what happens is like, you know, you get nervous and you get all pent up and you, and you start thinking of all this, this disaster, you know, the, the catastrophes that, that are going to happen in your mind and you create these stories. And one of the things that I found through yoga and, and, and really working on myself is that the stories get quiet when you start focusing on you, when you start focusing on your breath and you start focusing on, you know, the things that you've already overcome in your life and how, you know, sometimes you just forget to be thankful for what's going on. I saw a great tweet once and it talked about, hey, we're on a rock that's spinning, you know, at like 5,000 miles an hour and we're the exact right distance from the sun and we have this atmosphere and just like how lucky are we even to just breathe right like how lucky right, are we just right. be alive right we're spinning through freaking space right now we're like you know it's like we're <laughs> hurling through space and yet we're alive yeah. you know it's it's just mind-boggling and so it's amazing you know, how we don't think about that in the day ever, grind right ever and so you know i'll do little stupid things like if i'm getting worked up or if i'm getting just a little bit tight or whatever, I'll look up to the trees and, and I'll see the wind blowing in it. And I know it's my late mother, you know, like blowing through the trees. Right. And she's there to protect me and take care of me. And I know that I'm alive or, you know, I'll just take five breaths where I close my eyes and I breathe in blue and I breathe out red. And I just am able to kind of just get my feet back on the ground. And then, you know, you just kind of ask yourselves, are these stories or is this real? And what is real? And so you take a step back and you go, okay, what's real? What's real right now is I'm doing a podcast and that's all it's real. Right. I'm talking to Jared and I'm having a great conversation. That's what's real. You know, there's nothing right. else. So, it, you know, a lot of that. And then absolutely the yoga. I, I've recently just taken up jujitsu as well, which uh, apparently just cracks my ribs and gives me lots of bruises. But it's a great <laughs> way to seriously get out of your own head because you got a guy with a forearm in your throat. You know, that, that gets you out of your own head pretty quick. So there's right. you know a lot of different things that I do. What are you doing as far as the guys getting them out of slumps? And I'll, I'll bring this back to you as well, but back to them for just a second, the guys that you're directly coaching, what do you find, whether it's, uh, we talked about the, the cultural differences, we talked about, you know, I'm sure there's age differences, there's just different, you know, mindset differences, things like that. What do you find, we, we all get in our own way, right? I mean, we're our biggest enemies when it comes to progression a lot of times. It's not other people keeping us from, from sab, you know, sabotaging our own story. It's us. It's self-sabotage and it's mindset. What do you find is the biggest thing that allows people to get stuck in that rut mentally that it's, you know, really hard for them to get out of when it comes to specifically sports, but just life in general? Uh, giving control away, right? So the, the biggest thing that I've seen is, is becoming a victim and becoming a complainer. Uh, pointing fingers, right? This is the old saying, you point one finger at me, I got, you got three pointed back at yourself, right? All right. So it, it kind of goes back to that where, sorry to use this, it's like straight cheesy elementary school like teaching, <laughs> but right, it, it resonates. But hey, sometimes those are good. Sometimes right, those are exactly. But like, you know, but that's it. Like that's, that's the thing that I find that when guys start feeling like a victim, when guys start putting their head down or people in general, period, 
when they start buying into that that victim narrative that it's somebody else's fault, they're blaming somebody else, they're pointing their finger elsewhere, they have no control, I don't have any control over this. That's absolute bull, man. You have control every single second of the day. You do. You have control of yourself. You have control of how you breathe. You have control of what you focus on. You have control of what you look at and how you look at it. That's what you have. That's that's being a human being. That's the difference between us and a freaking giraffe. A giraffe walks by, sees a leaf and goes, leaf, eat, no control whatsoever. We go by, we're like, man, that leaf looks rotten. I'm out, tap, right? We got a choice. And, and that's the biggest thing that, that human beings have over everybody else. And I think if, if you're going through a tough time or if you're having some doubts about stuff, just stop for a second, take a couple breaths, get your feet back on the ground and realize that what's great about being a human being is you can create anything you want. You can create the world that you want in a heartbeat, right? And, and you can change who you're being in a snap of a finger, just like that. Bam, snap of a fingers. I can be victim, boom, clap my hands. No, I'm not a victim. I'm a creator. I'm going to create this. I'm going to create that. I'm going to create strength. I'm going to create being with my feet on the ground. I'm going to create positivity. I'm going to create energy. And I can do it in a heartbeat. But you got to do it, right? And, and it's all yeah. about setting that intention. And it's all about just making that decision. So I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question. I just kind of got going there. I think I've had no, too dude, much that, coffee today. <laughs> that perfectly answered my question. That I mean, whatever's coming for, and you know, you talk about cliches and I, you know, I find myself doing that sometimes too. The reason they're cliches is because they've been around forever, right? And the reason they've been around forever is because they're typically true. It's what people resonate with. So yeah, something silly like pointing a finger and three back at me. I mean, people are like, oh yeah, whatever. But if you think about it, it's like, there's a reason that's been around for a long, long time, right? I mean, right. and I'm sure there's other strategies that you're using, you know, way outside of the lines that uh, that we can even cover in a, you know, hour long podcast or 45 minute podcast here. But um, I'm a big guy on routines and rituals. And I would think yeah. that for someone in your position, you know, you've got strength coaches out there, but then you also have mental strength coaches. And I've told people for a long time, the brain is really the only muscle that it's a muscle, right? You, but it's the yeah. one that you can't control. If I want to go control my biceps, I go to the gym and do some curls, but the mind oftentimes controls you. It's going to have you in control. And it's, you know, it's oftentimes negative. In most cases, I would say it's more likely negative uh, speak that we're doing to ourselves. So I've become a big guy and learned that on rituals and routines. I would think that's very important for you as well. So I talked to people on the podcast about just peak performance. That's one of the major, main reasons I right. wanted you on, even before I knew the Cubs were going to win, right? Okay. Um, but routines and rituals, what time do you go to sleep? What time you wake up? Vitamins, water consumption, exercise, all of that. Give us as, as much as you can, just a, a snapshot into your life of what you're doing, not only to keep your brain healthy, but to keep yourself healthy and to be the most optimal uh, self that you can be. Yeah, well, for me, it really you know, it boils down to this. When I'm home, like I'm home, right? So, cause I'm on the road, you know, 150 days a year. And oh, yeah. so I don't get, um, so when I'm home, I really make sure that I'm present for my kids and my wife. Right. It's how, a, many, how many kids do you have? What are their ages? Two, two kids, nine and, uh, about to be 10 and six. Awesome. Um, boys, girls. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. See, I'm, man, I'm, I'm all girl. I got three girls. I'm like, come on. I'm telling my wife, Katie, I'm like, let's push on through. <laughs> gotta, keep, gotta keep rolling here. Oh yeah. It's too funny. So yeah. So, so when I'm here, it, it's a little bit of a different routine than, than when I'm on the road, but you know, it, it normally involves when I get up, getting some sort of exercise or some sort of meditation in like right off the bat, just to kind of get my mind clear. So that might be going for a four or five mile run. It might be just, you know, sitting in a room, a hotel room for, for 10 minutes and, and, and doing some meditation off of an app or something to that nature, or it might be an hour of yoga, but I, I certainly start my day off with that. 
when I'm home, I, I get the kids ready for school. I make their lunches. I drink a coffee and I take them to school. And then I do that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then I'll really kind of go through what my list is, uh, for the day, what I want to accomplish. And that I will typically have written the night before. Um, because what I find is that when you write things the night before, then you can kind of get rid of them and set your plan early. And then when you wake up, you have your plan and, and you can go execute it. In addition, one of the things I try and do is I try and prioritize what are the major things that I need to be working on right here and right now. It might be an after action review from the season. It might be, you know, planning our budget for next year. It might be sending out 20 emails to the players to, to remind them to, you know, meditate today. It might be, you know, uh, designing my tweets for the week, whatever it might be, I'll make sure that I go through that as well. Uh, but typically the morning is dedicated to my physical body and my mental body. And then the, you know, from probably about 11 o'clock on it's, it's, it's execution of tasks. I'll put you on the hot seat here. How much sleep are you getting each night? Now that I'm home or when yeah. I, during the world yeah. series, during the world well, series, I did not sleep at all. <laughs> yeah, typically during averaging about four hours of sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Dur during any given year, because I know if you're going to keep your mind right for not only yourself, yeah. but others, you've got to be getting that in. Yeah. I get to bed, you know, here when I'm home, I get to bed about 10, get up about six, six thirty. So it's not bad. Okay. So you're getting, yeah, you're getting a good amount of sleep. And I just know yeah, how much sleep office, and absolutely. lack of sleep. Yeah. Lack of sleep affects the mind so much. So Josh, man, thanks so much for sharing with us today. The last question I would have for you here as we get ready to wrap up the podcast is, um, you know, I know that every strong coach needs a coach that's coaching them. Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, anybody that you think about out there in the world of sports that's done incredible things, they all said they had coaches in a big way and they wouldn't be without them. Not necessarily a coach, or if you want to mention a coach, that's fine too, but who who are you getting your download of knowledge from each day, whether it's podcasts, whether it's audiobooks, whether it's just blogs you you watch or, listen, or read or whatever, where are you kind of downloading your knowledge to stay sharp on everything that you're doing and who do you follow? Yeah, I, I read a lot. I definitely scroll through Twitter a bunch. You know, I, it, it just kind of depends on where I'm at. So right now I'm going through this whole big phase of like, I'm loving the MMA and I'm like into jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. So I get a lot of like sharpening through that. Um, I just read Win or Learn. You know, that was uh, Conor McGregor's, uh, I forget the guy's name, his, his coach's solid, solid book. It was a little bit more entertainment than than education. Um so I'll do things like that. And, and, you know, certainly podcasts, I, I like, um, uh, obviously the ringer has got a great MLB podcast. Obviously yours is fantastic as well. Uh, Cinder Campoff does a great podcast. Justin Sua has got some great stuff out there as well. So all those guys I'll, I'll certainly listen to. There's a uh, one called radio lab that I love out of New York city. Uh, it's a, it's a, uh, I think a PBS kind of deal. And that's a fantastic podcast. It just makes you think it's not so much like, you know, education for the mind or anything like that, but it just makes you think. And then in addition, you know, I'm lucky enough to work with a team. So we're always bouncing ideas off each other and trying to learn from each other. And then I just try and stay in contact with other coaches out there and other mental skills people um, to see what's going on with their worlds and, 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 you know, see a, if I can help them or B, if they can help me. And we just kind of bounce ideas a lot. I think we're a pretty tight knit community, the mental skills world, seeing as it's just such a new field and, and, you know, yeah. we kind of just always have each other's backs. So that's, that's been pretty cool too, to just be able to lean on other people. I, I lied to you here. I've got one more last question here. Awesome. I think this might be, <laughs> might be, might be one of the most important ones here, just for my listeners who I know are probably wondering this as well, especially crucial for your role with the Cubs. Um, you know, you, I, I coach financial advisors and then I have my own clients that I coach out there just on life stuff and business stuff and whatever, mm -hmm. but there's, 
a lot of the mindset stuff that goes into that as well. And I think one of the hardest things is when someone is on a mountaintop or a summit that they've been striving for and struggling for and just really gritting it out for, they hit it. And I've always used the phrase that they run through the tape at the end of the line, they put their hands on their knees and they go, man, okay, I'm tired. I'm winded. Now what? You know, and it's, sometimes it's so hard to turn around and just start running again and just start going for that next thing. How do you guys, it may sound like a weird question, but how do you bounce back from the high that you're on right now? And basically, I don't want to say, I don't want to jinx anything, right? I don't want to say go out and do it again, but how do you just get everybody amped up and, and ready to, to just grind it out again after coming off such a high? What, what's your thought there for what's coming up for you guys in the next few months? Win and learn, right? So, so, so the, the book I just read was win or learn, but I'm talking about win and learn. We learned a lot of lessons. We learned a lot of lessons during this playoff run, and we learned a lot of lessons in the World Series. And I think the biggest thing for us is that winning is an outcome, but our goal is the process, and our process is execution of that process. So how do we be more present? How do we be more focused during those moments? How do we um, not get down 3-1, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. How do, how do we make it a little bit easier on the hearts of the Cubs fans? Right. And, 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 you know, there's pride, right? There's personal pride and, and, and team pride. How we go about our business on, on, a, on a daily basis matters. We talk about being cub, right? And, and, I, and I said this on, on Syndra's podcast, but being cub for us means having the courage to do the right thing, having the urgency to do it right here and right now, and having the belief that you're going to get it done. And so that is who we are. We're cubs. And so that's how we're going to go about our business. And when we start straying away from that because we've accomplished a goal, if the only reason we were doing that was to achieve a goal, then we're selling ourselves short and we're hollow, right? The way, the reason that we do that is so we can have great lives and so we can have great people around us all the time. And so for us, right, we've just accomplished something that hasn't been accomplished in 108 years and it was mind blowing. It blew our hair back. We, we get it now. It's, it's an incredible thing. And while we might be satisfied with winning and accomplishing that goal, we also know that how we go about our business on a daily basis matters. It matters even more now because we have more people watching us. And because Absolutely. of that, it's gonna be even more important to be Cub. And, and so that's what we're gonna do. That's how we're gonna rally around it. And that's how we're gonna push forward. You know, whether the outcomes are the same or not, hey, that's sometimes the baseball gods decide, but we know we can control us. And as long as we control us, we know that good things are going to happen. That's so awesome. Josh Lefrak, thanks so much for your time here. I know that you've got a ton pulling at you right now after what you just what you guys just went through. But thanks for honoring your commitment once I contacted you early on to come on back and, and or come uh, on the show. Jared, for, for Jared's listener, just know this. This guy's relentless and I love it. You want to talk about qualities <laughs> of success. Jared Warren, just not giving in, not worrying about, hey, maybe being rejected or something like that. Just, hey, man. You said we were going to do this podcast. Let's do it. When are we going to do it? When are we going to do it? I loved it, man. It was awesome. Thank you, Jared. Wait, wait, how me, bro? I, I, knew, well, I knew I had to grab you because I figured a lot of other people would, especially <laughs> after you guys won. So I was like, hey, about that. Let's make it happen. So, man, thanks for uh, spilling out your knowledge here to us today. We look forward to your continued success and just getting a chance to watch the Cubs again this next year. I know you've got a lot more fans who weren't Cubs beforehand, but just everyone loves seeing this, uh, this picture that unfolded after 108 years with you guys. And so thanks for... Uh, for what you're doing for those guys in order to make that happen. And uh, where can we find you out in the world of social yeah. media, internet, anything like that? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. That's the best. That's really the only place I do anything. Um, and it's at Lifrak Attack, L-I-F-R-A-K Attack. 
Um, so you can find me there. Uh, I just put a new, uh, I just changed my avatar to me holding the trophy, which is kind of fun. But, uh, <laughs> awesome. so, but I'm uh, gonna go check yeah. it out. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jared. I, I really like really humbly. Thank you for having me on the show. And, and thanks for all the work you're doing, man. You're, you know, anytime you can, can reach out and just help others, it, it lifts the world. So thanks, man. Appreciate what you're doing too, man. Absolutely. Appreciate your kind words. And uh, again, we'll look forward to seeing y'all's, y'all's continued success and uh, just keep doing what you're doing for those guys and appreciate you being on. Thanks, Jared. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. Hey guys, as always, if you've enjoyed the Success 101 podcast, share it with friends, family members, anyone that you feel would enjoy reaching higher levels of peak performance. If you want to connect directly with me, the best way to do that is my email address, which is info at success101podcast.com, or you can reach me in the world of social media on a few different avenues, on Facebook at facebook.com slash success101podcast, Head over to the Success 101 Facebook page and subscribe to stay on top of any new videos, speaking engagement information, guest information, or any new content that I put out there. And I would love to see you on the subscriber list there. You can also follow me on Twitter at Warren Jared or on Instagram at Success 101 Podcast. And if you want to make a real impact, the biggest honor you can give me is to head on over to iTunes or click on any of the episodes on my website and click the button to rate the Success 101 podcast on iTunes. That's what lets Apple know how awesome you think this show is and keeps things going on in the future. I can't tell you how much I've loved your support as the Success 101 podcast continues to get downloaded in more and more countries as we get ready to reach a milestone of a million downloads in the near future. You guys make it so much fun and I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. I enjoyed having Josh on the podcast here today and learned so many lessons from him. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Success 101 podcast. Until then.